Once you live in the 716, Buffalo sports is ingrained in your soul. No matter where you are, we always remember the roots that helped us grow. Don't let where you live or the people around you stop you from showing your Buffalo pride. Join us Buffalonians as we talk all things sports in the 716 on the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Circles the way, like the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Nick English, alongside my co-host, Andrew Oglewich. No matter where we are, no matter the heartbreak, we will always remain Buffalo loyal. We appreciate everyone for tuning into the Buffalo Loyal podcast. We are back once again with another episode. Um Sabres development camp just finished. The Bills training camp is just getting started. So it finally feels like we're getting back into the content game. Um, It's obviously very dry right now with Buffalo sports, but um, we're definitely gearing up for a fun year with both the Bills and the Sabres. So, um, Andrew, first and foremost, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Nick. No complaints here. Um. Like I just said, very, very hard to get um, a lot of good content to you guys. So we do apologize. That's as Andrew, let's say it's dry season right now. Um, but we do have some stuff to talk about. Um, we're going to break down some Bills jerseys at the end of the episode with everyone bringing back some old uniforms. We're going to talk about maybe what some Bills uniforms we could bring back or maybe our favorites. We're going to talk about what game during the McDermott bean era so far was kind of the turning point of maybe where we started feeling differently that it wasn't going to be like the drought bills, but to start off the show, we're going to talk some Tage Thompson, probably one of the hottest commodities in Buffalo right now, obviously extremely young. Um, His name has been getting brought up recently because there's been some contracts handed out to some younger players of longer periods, um, specifically Robert Thomas and Josh Norris over the past few days. And it's kind of starting the debate of whether Buffalo should be paying Tage Thompson now this offseason or after the season's over. So Tage has got one more year on his deal at just over a million this year, um, which is obviously a huge bargain. He's definitely going to be due a contract extension. He's going to get paid. Um, it's just a matter of how much money and when. Um, so Robert Thomas of the Blues, just to kind of give the people listening a perspective, obviously he's a Stanley Cup champion. He was a big contributor to that Stanley Cup team. He's coming off a season in which he had 20 goals, 57 assists for 77 points, and he's getting paid now $8.125 million per season. Then you have Josh Norris on Ottawa, who's only been in the league now for three years, had 35 goals, 20 assists for 55 points, and he is now going to be making $7.95 million for the foreseeable future. But it was a six- or eight-year deal there. So when you look at Tage Thompson, he's coming off of a 38-goal campaign, 30 assists, 68 points, obviously the best season of his career, um, breakthrough, playing a new position. Now is the question of do you give Tage Thompson the long eight-year deal between seven and nine million dollars right now? Or do you wait until after the season 
while you have him on the deal still for one more year and he's going to be an RFA. So you have his rights. Um, so I'll let you start as far as what camp would you be in as far as would you rather just sign him now and pay him big money and just get it done with, or would you kind of rather do the wait and see and sign him after the season's over? Um, <clears throat> I think I'm in the camp of sign him now. Um, I, I don't, I know the right, the worry is that you get stuck in a Jeff Skinner situation where you, you pay him money and he kind of fizzles out, but I just, I don't think Tage, Tage Thompson is Jeff Skinner. Um, right. Like, it's funny to say that because hated this kid a couple of years ago, but now, right. Like he's one of your top players and I think he will remain a top player. Um, even just from like a, a locker room glue guy standpoint, like he's important to what you're building on this roster and in that building. Um, so I think it's important to keep him around. Right. And there's a message that by giving him a contract now, right. There's a message you're giving to, younger players and the other players on the roster that, Hey, we believe in this roster. We believe in these players of what they have done and what they're going to do for us. Right. So to kind of take that leap of faith and put that trust and that confidence in Tage and say, Hey, we want you here. We want you to help us get over this hump and take us to the promised land. Here's all this money. Now do it. I think that says a lot for you. um, Right. And for your players that, okay, this team is different, they mean business, and they're going to take care of us if we produce. So, um, yeah, I think I think from an economic standpoint um, and just from like a trust the process standpoint, I think it's important that you try to sign him before the season starts. And if you're looking to sign him, based on what Josh Norris and Robert Thomas, are you thinking it would be? a longer six to eight years, probably around that 8 million mark, just based on some of the numbers other people around him have put up and what they just got paid. Yeah. I think like six years, maybe seven and a half million a year, I think is a fair, fair value for him. Um, Right. I mean, he's not, he's not a standout a plus stud, but he's no schlump either. Right. Like he deserves a payday. So I think, yeah, like six years is a, is a safe timeline and in that seven to eight, eight and a half range, I think it is definitely a fair value for, for both sides. Yeah. For me, I think it really does depend on the dollar amount and I tend to lead more towards weight, which I also don't like saying, cause I'm also the one that for three years in a row, I was pounding that the Sabres were dumb for, keep continuously bridging Sam Reinhardt instead of just paying him the deal that he deserves. And eventually a guy gets tired of that. Um, and I'm not saying that they would have to, you know, do a bridge deal with Tage Thompson. Um, and I also agree from the standpoint that Thompson isn't Jeff Skinner. They're obviously way different points in their careers. Thompson definitely has a lot more upside. I mean, you're talking about a guy who scored 38 goals in his first season as a center and it, you know, took Jeff Skinner getting to the Sabres and playing with Jack Eichel for a year to get to that 40 goal mark um, and kind of rejuvenate his career. They was kind of falling off a little bit towards the back end with Carolina. My biggest worry is if you go out and give Tage Thompson seven to nine million or whatever the number is, and he does end up only being a 
20 goal scorer, 25, which still is a very valuable player for your team. Don't get me wrong, but it's not seven to $9 million worth. And I think the reason I want to wait is because a, you have his RFA rights. So you're going to be the team that's going to be able to really give him the most money and kind of control things. Um, and this year, the Sabres obviously need to make the next step. This is a big year for Kevin Adams, this team, to find out who's going to be the core, who's not going to be the core. I mean, we've talked about guys like Olofsson, Middlestat are kind of the two biggest guys you're trying to figure out, are they long-term solutions here, are they not? My biggest thing is last year was the first year Thompson played center. He's never produced at this high of a level before, so I do want to see it done a second time just to be kind of hundred percent sure, especially when you have him on, you know, signed for another year. Also, I think when you look at the Sabres last year, I'm very interested to see, especially early on in the season when they have a friendly schedule, how they react to a little bit of pressure because last year they kind of got to play with this free flow energy. We're just here to get you developed. We just are going to throw as many young guys as possible, let you play a lot, let you make mistakes and grow, which obviously was very beneficial. You saw Tage Thompson grow, but now I want to see if towards the end of the season or in the middle of the season, you go on a six, seven game losing streak. How does a guy like Tage Thompson respond? Does he rise up in the moment or does he crumble? Because last year there was really no pressure in any situation for Buffalo. So I think that also helped them in the big games that they played against Toronto or on RJ night or against Vegas when Eichel returned, that there was no really outside pressure for them to win. I'm interested to see if once, and I don't think this year is like a win or, you know, make the playoffs and it's a failure. I just think like we talked about last week, you need to make that, you know, cut the difference between you and Boston in half by 15 points, be within five, six points of the last wild card spot. And guys like Thompson and Cousins who are going to be due deals, I think you need to see how they perform in those pressure moments instead of just the happy-go-lucky, we're just trying to get better. And especially when you have him under contract, I think it'd be beneficial for the Sabres to – See if he does it again, because if Tate Thompson goes out and scores 30, 38 goals again, whatever it may be, then I have no problem regardless of paying him the eight, nine million. Um, and if it goes up by a half million or million because you wait, so be it. You have the cap space. And if he's going to be a core part of your team anyway, then I don't see the harm in doing that. Um, but if you're coming to me and telling me you can get him on a five, six year deal and get him at a six and a half to seven and a half million dollar contract, then I say you do that now and you kind of take that little bit of risk that he's going to play into that contract. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's worth it, right. To take that risk. And, and like I said, you, you put that confidence in him and, and that I think that'll mean a lot to him. And, and right. It's that motivation of, okay, Hey, these guys trust me. They want me here. I know what we're trying to do. I know what we're trying to build let me go play for my contract, right? Like, let me prove to them why they, you know, made a good decision paying me all this money. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think 
I'm a softie when it comes to keeping good players and house, you know, household names. So I want to see him stay. Um, I know if, if he goes off, if you don't pay him, he goes off this year, it's going to get harder to pay him, especially right. If you, you get attention from some big name free agents, right? Like, he Tage is going to be one of those guys that it's like, ah, we would love to keep you, but we've got so-and-so knocking on the door wanting to come. So money's going to have to go to him. So I, I think he, I think he's a huge part of what this team's trying to do and what they're trying to build. And I just, I think it'd be worth it to pay him now to, to retain that moving forward. Right. And, and hope that he is who you think he is and he won't, you know, be a waste. He won't let you down um, after you write him a check. Yeah. And I think regardless, I think most Sabres fans, and I think we're, I mean, we both in agreement that we both want him back and want him resigned. It's just a matter of if and when. Yeah. Um, and obviously I think Tage wants to be in Buffalo from everything he's, you know, said and done on and off the ice. I think Kevin Adams clearly wants him to be in Buffalo. Don Granado had the confidence to move him in center um, and give him a bigger role because he wants him to be here long term but um it'll be a wait and see but i just thought it'd be it was interesting based on what the other guys around the league are getting to kind of see and i mean calgary i mean they're probably feeling like us did you know when briere and jury left right now because now kachuk sounds like he wants out goudreau just left to columbus which we already kind of mentioned was odd but um it's good to keep your guys that you know, you produced around, I mean, you look at Vanek and Pominville and Roy and how we were able to keep them for so long and keep them together and pay them all at the same time. Obviously there's some butting heads and you look around and you see what other guys around you are making, but when you are building the team and we build the culture and, you know, trust the process, like both teams, the bills and the Sabres say, I think that kind of goes out the window a little bit with a locker room um, when you're all trying to win and get to the same place. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um, I honestly don't know if we'll hear anything um, soon on it because right after the draft is typically when a lot of the GMs kind of step away for a month or so, go do their vacations, kind of just get away after you've been grinding and grinding through the whole season and then the whole draft process and your prospect camps and everything and trades and free agency. So right now is kind of the dead time for the NHL outside of, you know, trade a few trades here and there, but um, I think towards when the season starts or during training camp, maybe you'll see something more. Who knows? Maybe it's a contract that you see extended during the season. Maybe the Sabres start hot and they start, you know, 14, five and five or something like that. And Tate is producing at a high level and they decide to, you know, extend them then. So we'll keep an eye on that, but um, transitioning over to the bills, training camp is starting. Um, it's finally good to get football back. Um, as part of my take would say, football is officially back now with everyone um, going back to train camp. Tickets sold out like wildfire um, for St. John Fisher. I think everyone's super excited to get back there um, and be in front of the fans. It's something they haven't really been able to do. Um, so we're approaching year six now with Sean McDermott as the head coach, um, Brandon Bean also. So we had them the first year when Tyrod was able to, you know, break the drought. Then we had the one year regression when we drafted Josh and then we've made the playoffs, you know, the last three years. So when we're looking back right now, 
since Bean and McDermott have gotten here, they've clearly changed the culture of this team, changed a lot of people's opinions. We obviously went through the 17-year drought. So I'm posing the question to you, and I'm kind of interested to see if we have the same game or a different game. What specific game since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott got here was the game that it clicked for you as far as, you know, it felt different. It didn't feel like we were going to just go back to the drought. It didn't feel like, oh, this is only a one-year miracle that you felt, okay, this is going to be the new norm. The Buffalo Bills are going to be back to what they were with Jim Kelly and be a powerhouse of the NFL and a team contending for a Super Bowl. Yeah, so I had two, uh, but one that really stood out and and I think is kind of top of the list um, was that first Thanksgiving game um, against Dallas in, in 2019. Um, right. I mean, that was the first time the Bills have played on, in, on Thanksgiving and who knows how long, right? The first big primetime game they've had in a while as well um, in Dallas, in Jerry World, right, against one of the Thanksgiving teams in Dallas. And you go in and absolutely steamroll them, right? Like, I mean, it was um, – I know the score was kind of close, but it wasn't really that close, right? Like Beasley was going back for the first time. Um, it just, the offense took over that game, right? The defense was locked down for the most part. Um, and, and you think of, I mean, you think of the play Josh to get that first down, right? Where he reaches, drops the ball, picks it up, fights for five yards or whatever, gets the first down on fourth down. I mean, that play alone is just, like if I had to pick not just a game, but like one play, it probably would be that one, right? Like that's definitely top three plays because just the fight from the team and, and from Josh too to like get through that initial pile, you drop the ball, you fight for it with guys diving at your neck and you, you fight for a first down, you get five yards on the play, right? Just no quit. Um, it just, it really kind of proved that, Hey, this team's different, right? Like this quarterback is different. Um, they are willing to do whatever to win. Um, so yeah, that was an awesome game. Uh, it was fun to be, you know, to watch as a fan, right. On Thanksgiving, um, really cool to kind of get to actually have something on the line during Thanksgiving games, right. When you watch it and, um, and see the team win, right? And, and now the Bills own Thanksgiving. So um, nice little tradition started there as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely kind of the turning point for me of, okay, this team's different. They mean business. They're not going to get pushed around, and, and uh, they're, uh, they're going to turn some heads. So that was actually my original thought as well, but it's not the game that really um, – cemented it for me once I actually started thinking about it a little more only because so that was a big game for the Bills they win that game they go to nine and three up until that point it was kind of like they hadn't played any good teams but again you play who's ever on your schedule you win whoever you you know play against um but then we ended up losing three of the last four obviously we win the game against Pittsburgh to clinch 
um, to make the playoffs that year on the road, which is another big game. Um, but we lose three out of four, including one to Baltimore on a close one. The Jets won. Obviously, we didn't really play anyone because we had the spot locked up. But then you lose to the Texans the way you did in the playoffs and still kind of leaves that bad taste in your mouth of, all right, like this is a game we should have won. We could have put it away a million times and we just couldn't. Is this going to be a one-year thing? Blah, blah. The game for me was in 2020, the following year, um, and it was against the Patriots 24-21 when Justin Zimmer punched the ball out on Cam Newton to secure the game because we started off hot that year. That was the first year we had digs. We started off 4-0. You beat some really good teams. You beat the Raiders on the road. Um, you beat the Chargers. You beat the Rams week three, Jalen Ramsey. Um, you started off really hot against the Dolphins and the Jets, kind of got digs incorporated. This is obviously all when COVID's going on. So then we go and get absolutely blown out on a Tuesday night game against the Titans. You come home, you play the Chiefs, the team that knocked you out, or would eventually knock you, I should say. Um, and they, the game, kind of similar to the Dallas game, they beat us pretty handily, even though the score might not have, and you know, presented it that way. And then we have that weird game against the Jets where we literally only kicked field goals to move to five and two. And it just kind of had a weird feeling of like, all right, like we're five and two, but we kind of lost to the two best teams we played. It just started to feel weird with COVID and everything. And then the Patriots, the team that has killed us for our entire Bills fandom. And they have Cam Newton, who's a washed up quarterback at this point and is driving them down the field with a chance to just steal one in Buffalo. We'd go to five and three, and then all hell would probably be breaking loose in Buffalo media. And Justin Zimmer, your guy, punches the ball out, and Dean Marlowe falls on it, and the Bills win that game in a game where I feel like in every other scenario in our Bills drought history and even the first few years of McDermott, we would end up losing that game. But we didn't. We found a way to win. And then the Bills won seven of their last eight games after that point. And the only loss during that was the Hale Murray. So to me, that was the turning point where it was like, finally, it feels like we're going to be on the good side of history. We're going to start getting, you know, the luck in certain games. And, you know, Diggs is going to keep evolving in the offense. And it finally felt like we were building something. So I definitely agree that Dallas, because of that Josh play specifically with the fourth down was the first thing that popped into my mind. But once I started thinking about a little more, how they ended the season, how we lost the Texans, and then to see what we did after we won that Patriots game and kind of got over that mental hurdle of, you know what, we could compete with the Patriots. This isn't their division anymore. And then, I mean, we went into Foxborough at the end of that season, just completely wiped the floor with them, and Diggs went crazy. Him and Allen probably won, like, a gazillion people their fantasy championships that week. And it kind of just served as a turning point. And then you went and you won your game against the Colts in the playoffs. You beat Baltimore, and then, yeah, you end up losing to the Chiefs. But it just felt different for me personally. So that would be the game that I would pick. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Um, but also – I. I that whole COVID season, I think, I think that, but right, like, I don't know if it was a turning point. I think that was proof that they've arrived, you know, um, 
I think games in the 2019 season, right? Like the Thanksgiving game or that Steelers game. Steelers game was also on my list, right? Sunday night game in Pittsburgh. It's a tough place to play to begin with. They play Renegade and the Bills players are dancing on the sidelines, right? They were ready for it. They were prepared. They blasted it all week in practice. You've got um, Matt Barkley swinging his jacket like a terrible towel. And then they come out and Josh throws John Brown on the sideline and just completely silences the crowd, right? Like, again, I think that's another moment of this. These aren't the same old Bills, right? They're not going to crack under pressure. They're prepared. They have thought of everything, right? Like to practice all week with Renegade blaring, knowing that it was coming at some point. Um, And then Josh to take advantage of the moment and silence the crowd, right? Like I've, I've been at Pittsburgh uh, Steelers games when they play Renegade. It is a cool, cool experience to just hear that whole place just rocking and singing Renegade. Like it's a cool experience. It's like one of the top, probably like a top five, top 10 sporting experiences you can have, right? Like to hear that stadium sing Renegade is a cool, like it gives you chills. So then for the Bills with the game on the line, playoffs on the line, to say, okay, cool, wave your little towels, sing your little song, watch this, and just take over the game, right? Like, there's moments like that in the 2019 season that I think are more, like, turning point worthy of, okay, this is something special, right? And that then builds to what the 2020 season was of the Bills are here, you're going to have to deal with us get ready because here we come right so uh totally agree i mean both seasons were incredible seasons I, the 2020 season was so much fun right like it sucks yeah. that it was a co- it sucks that it was covid no one could see it uh besides the two playoff games but yeah i mean those two years were definitely incredible incredible times to be a bills fan for sure and i think the covid season was also kind of for me why maybe i liked it almost a little bit more because i feel like when you don't have bills mafia there and every place you go, there's really no one. So it's really just, it's us first them. And there's no crowd noise. There's no anything. It's literally just almost like you're playing pickup. Like it's just you first them. People are cursing each other, talking shit. Like it's just us first you in the trenches and we're going to see who the better team is. So I like that the bills, like you said, building off of 2019, 2020 said, you know what? We're here. We can thrive in this environment and prove that last year wasn't just a fluke. Like this is here to stay too. Right. Well, and especially when right, like 2018 was such a disappointing season, right? With how it ended, Josh was not great. The offense was not great. Defense had holes. I mean, Robert Foster and Andre Holmes were your your Kyle Williams was the only reason that that end of the season was any sort of joy. Right. Exactly. Right. You missed the playoffs after the crazy high of finally breaking the drought and going to Jacksonville and then you lay an egg. Right. So then to really kind of put in the work, turn it around and have 19 and 20 happen. Um, yeah. I mean, pick any one of those games. And, and I think it's in the running. For sure. And so to end the show today, we're going to talk about some jerseys. So the Patriots, Eagles, Giants, just to name a few. Um, have been teams that you've seen the Eagles are going to go back to their throwback green, cool jerseys, the Patriots going back to their red with the cool helmets. 
Um, and then you have the Giants came out, I believe it was yesterday or today. They're going back to their kind of throwbacks. Almost honestly kind of looks like a Bills uniform, but um, it's kind of stirred up some things on social media as far as what the Bills could potentially do now that the NFL is allowing the alternate helmets and everything like that. I mean, the Buccaneers will bring back the creamsicles and everything like that. The Bills obviously have a variety of different ways they could go. They could go with, you know, the old school with you had talked about um, before we start recording the OJ Simpson, the like kind of the powdery blue um, with the throwback helmets. Then you also have like the Jim Kelly when you had like the red helmets and stuff. Then you also have a jersey that I feel like a lot of people hate, but I kind of personally like with the Navy jersey. I actually kind of personally like those. I don't know how it would look in today's NFL, but um it kind of definitely brings up an interesting point of what potential the Bills could do because the Bills already have some of the cleanest jerseys in the league as is. I mean, you can't really go wrong when your colors are red, white, and blue. Um, they kind of have – I think the Bills, if you were to rank like NFL logos in, you know, in the league, I don't think the Bills would maybe be like the top tier, but I don't think they're definitely not in the bottom. I think they're definitely more towards in that 8 to probably 10 range um, in the league they definitely have one of the cooler logos compared to a lot of other teams like the Browns and whatnot but um, I guess if we were to maybe bring back an alternate jersey you know what would be the one that you would want to bring back the most yeah so <clears throat> when they announced that you could have a second helmet immediately right like I was all in and I know Twitter's been a buzz I want that red helmet back I love it. I mean, the, and not the, not the 2000s deep red. Like I want the Jim Kelly, like candy apple red helmets back. It's a gorgeous helmet. I think it'll look, it would look incredible with the uniforms we have now. Like even in Madden, I'll, I'll change the helmets to those red nineties helmets. Cause it's just such a, a nice, uh, nice helmet. Um, so I want that, but then right. Like don't stop there. I, bring back the nineties uniforms. I, um, I want nothing more than to have a Josh home, like nineties throwback Jersey, right? Like there's those, there's edits everywhere all over the internet of him in that uniform. And it's just, it is so gorgeous looking. I have, I have scoured the internet. I've scoured China to try to find a way to get one of those jerseys and I can't find it. So I am, I am itching to get, I honestly might buy one of these, the new giants third jerseys and just customize it to say Josh to get as close as I can to having it because I, it's just so sharp. Right. And um, you know, a nice way to, you know, bridge the nineties to now and all that bullshit, but it, it's, it's a beautiful looking Jersey. So I want those back. Um, and it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned you like the two thousands jerseys, the Navy blue jerseys. I like them too. A lot of people like my dad hates them. A lot of people like the older uh, generations, like they hate them and I get it right. Like they, you connect them to the drought and all the losing, but I mean, that's the Jersey we grew up with. So I guess, right. There's a soft spot uh, in my heart for those jerseys, but I kind of like it. I mean, it, it was kind of sharp, right? I mean, weird two-tone blue, the, the light blue piping on a Navy blue Jersey is weird, but I, I loved the away those white jerseys from the two thousands, probably one of my favorite uniforms the bills have had. Yeah. I 
the first two names that come to my mind with those jerseys are the jerseys that I got when I was younger. And that was Willis McGahee in the white and then the Fred Jackson in the Navy blue. And I like, if there was one to bring back, I kind of like the away one of that with the white. Cause I actually really like that helmet and I like the white with that. And I think Josh would look really cool in it, but Again, I kind of do like the old look. I've always loved the red, you know, red standing Buffalo on the white helmet that they've done for like the AF or like the anniversary jersey. Yeah. One that, it's, not stuff like, like, it's not like a white helmet, though. It's like a like a creamy type yeah. helmet. They did that um, I don't know how many years ago when we played in the Hall of Fame game against the Titans. Titans they brought yeah. that. Well, it was when we had um, Terrell Owens, right? They had that cream yeah. helmet throwbacks, the standing Buffaloes. Um, so yeah, that's a sharp one too, but I don't, I don't really love the standing Buffalo that much. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't know. I, I, I like our logo now. Yeah. I like the standing Buffalo, but yeah, I mean, if I was to bring one back, I kind of like the two thousands away, like white. And that's definitely, if you posted that on any social media and said that that was the Jersey to bring back, I would get absolutely roasted. If you put that on a poll, it'd be like 93 to seven yes to no it's just i don't know even though it's associated with losing it's kind of like the sabers like for me like everyone like i have a lot of people that don't love the goat head jersey i mean i think that's definitely a little bit more in the middle compared to this one but a lot of people don't love the goat head and the slug but at the same time i'm like well we kind of won when we wore the slug and that's like the worst jersey ever (laughs) And yeah. actually, fun fact, I Joe DiBiase was tweeting this yesterday. I was tweeting something um, as far as, like, logos. and um, This is completely off topic, but it took me till yeah, I was yesterday days old when I found out that the Minnesota Wild logo is actually a bear. I always I thought it was – I thought it was, like, a sun with, like, some trees or something, like, as in, like, the Minnesota Wild, like, the wilderness. Nope, it's it's a bear. Just like yeah. I was whenever years old when I found out, oh, wait, the Sabres logo, like the goat head's actually like a buffalo turd. I was like, okay. Hey, yeah, so you're not alone on the goat head. The goat head took me forever to like see it correctly, right? Like I always thought it was like a dragon. I, th- I think it was Joe DiBiase who's talked about it before too, right? Like I thought it was a dragon, right? So like the left side of the logo is like its mouth, right? Like I, mm-hmm. it took me forever to actually see it's a charging buffalo head type thing i'm looking at it now on the wall um but um oh like the wild yeah i I knew it was some type of animal i guess i didn't realize it was a bear but i have seen that yes that's an animal with a landscape in the background but um but it is interesting right like this jersey conversation because i mean there are stats out there of how successful the bills are in their uniform combinations. And what's frustrating is my favorite uniform combination, the white Jersey on blue pants is their least successful Jersey combination, which sucks. Cause I think that is the sharpest combination they have. Right. And then if you add in the red helmet to that, Oh, be gorgeous. All right. That's what I use in Madden all the time. Um, but yeah, that's the least uh, successful is the, the white Jersey on the blue pants. Um, so that kind of sucks, but. I've um, always liked the white on white. I think it looks clean. Um, white is sharp. Yeah. I don't, I don't love the blue on white. I agree. It just doesn't. I, I like the blue on blue. They now wear that for like all their primetime games. 
Um, I love, I, I mean, the red jerseys are great. I, I've, I had always wanted the bills to have a red Jersey. So I was excited when color rush came around and they added the red Jersey. Um, it would be nice if they could do red on white. I know that made its way around the airwaves last year when Josh mentioned it publicly and, you know, said they can't do it, but um, yeah, the, the uh, white on blue is my favorite Jersey combination that they have. And it's also just interesting because when you look at the other four, like, NBA, like they literally wear like a gazillion different jerseys that they want. I mean, even the NHL is incorporating new jerseys every single year. MLB, same thing. I feel like the NFL is the only one where it's kind of just like you have your two to three jerseys and then like they've never outside of, you know, preseason or, you know, Hall of Fame games or an anniversary or whatever. They don't really go back to throwbacks too much. Like even the Bengals, when they were talked about, they're releasing like the white bangle look this year. Like, I think that's cool. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think the Bills are going to get, I think no matter what jersey they go with, Bills fans should be relatively happy because it's, we don't have too many bad options personally to go back to, but um, it'll be C. Also, fun fact that I also saw on Reddit the other day. Um, go look at the Cleveland Browns logo, and it's a bunny rabbit pushing a shopping cart. I do remember when that was making its way on Twitter last year. Yeah, yeah, it's a. I didn't see it till last week, and it was a. Uh, it it kind of tripped me out a little bit. Not gonna lie, but um, yeah. So uh, jerseys is where we're at right now in the uh, sports <laughs> off season, but um, still fun conversation nonetheless. But training camp starting, so I'm sure next week we'll be able to kind of. We'll talk about the Isaiah Hodgins of last year. Who's that first guy that's going to stand out in training camp? Who's looks like crap? Um, maybe we'll have some more Sabres news. Who knows? Maybe they'll announce when Ryan Miller's um, jersey night's going to be because I haven't officially announced that yet. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Maybe Matthew Kachuk. Maybe he'll be a Sabre. I highly doubt it because I don't think he'll sign long-term here. But, hey, one can hope. Um, but uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in as always. Um, give us a follow on Instagram at the Buffalo Oil Podcast. Um, it's been the Buffalo Oil Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the way like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs>